All right, well, welcome everyone. This is, I think, the eighth week of our class on how to grow Christian spirituality. And we're going to talk about evangelism this week. And so definitely a very good chance that we're not going to get through everything this week. Out of, out of any week, probably the best chance, but uh, we're going to try anyway. So um, I want to just pose a question to you guys. What would you, as we were about to talk about sharing the gospel, so let's get oriented and talk about what is the goal of evangelism? What would y'all say? Be part of God's leading people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. To be a part of... God, God is saving sinners, and in evangelism, we get to play a part in bringing them to the Lord. Um, yeah, what else? What is the goal? What is the goal of evangelism? Carry out the great You said? To carry out the great Yeah, yeah. Fulfilling in obedience to Christ's commands. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, what you guys said was great. I, I think I would, I would add to, ultimately, like biggest picture view, the goal of evangelism is God to be glorified, God to be praised. And so it's not, not in tension with what any of you guys said um, because we glorify him as we carry out his commands. We glorify him as we see sinners reconciled to him to also praise him. Um, so... I think we, we want to think of it as God's glory is the ultimate goal. He is most glorified when redeemed sinners worship him from the heart for his saving grace that he's shown in Christ. And so along with that, God's glory being the overarching goal, kind of like a parallel goal, like what Chris said, is seeing sinners reconciled to God through Jesus Christ so that they can not only worship him as their creator, but also as their redeemer. So the connection here is we're, we're, talking about, um, we're talking about how to grow as a Christian. So we're talking about spiritual disciplines. And we, we see evangelism as part of an all-of-life worship. It is a spiritual discipline in a sense. And it is if we want to worship God with all of our life, that is going to be – evangelism is going to be part of that. And I love – we might, I think we're going to read a little bit of Isaiah 12 later, but Isaiah 12 gives us a picture of worship and witness as basically like two sides of the same coin. Like if we worship the Lord, but that worship never expresses itself in witnessing to others, proclaiming God's goodness and his deeds of redemption to other people, then there's something wrong there, you know? It's a, that's a very... Uh, that, that worship is, is at least in some way tur- turned inward, perhaps. Um, and on the flip side, though, if we're like zealous evangelists, but we don't have this worship, uh, we don't care much for worship, or there's not this true worship of the Lord coming from the heart, then that is also very dangerous. That's, a, that's like hypocritical. Um, so we need both. And I think that, that that's, that's what we see in Scripture is, Worship and witness being kind of like two things that go together. Any, any questions or thoughts? All right. So, oh, this is a very, this is a super John Piper quote, but have, have you guys ever heard this one? 
Piper says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. The whole reason missions or evangelism exists is because worship doesn't. Does that make sense? So I, I like, I mean, that makes me think of like, I think we can all picture churches where maybe they're very secret sensitive. They got their fog machines, they're, they're like having a rave. And it's like, they might say, we're doing this so that we can reach people. But I think that's getting, that's getting things twisted. Missions is not the ultimate goal. Worship is. So we are to worship God. When we gather as a church, we're worshiping God as he has, as he has uh, prescribed in his word. Um, it's not about how can we reach people. It's about how can we worship God. And I think in that, that's going to be the most powerful witness to unbelievers. Um, but anyway, the, the, the point being, missions is not the end. Evangelism is not the end. The, the end is worshiping God, praising Him, seeing peoples from all, all places, all nations praise Him. All right, so what is evangelism? Does anyone want to get a stab at defining it further? What is evangelism? Simple definitions are okay. Yes, that's great. It's basically what I had. Yeah, yeah, just sharing the good news. Sharing, or more specifically for us, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, who he is, both who he is, what he has done for sinners like us. I'm going to read just a summary. Um, here's, here's like a summary of the good news that we share. This is from Mark Dever. He says, The good news is that the one and only God who is holy has made us in his image to know him. But we sinned and cut ourselves off from him. Yet in his great love, God became a man in Jesus, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law himself and taking on himself the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust in him. He rose again from the dead, defeating death, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice and that God's wrath against us had been exhausted. He now calls us to repent of our sins and to trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. If we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. That's, that's a helpful summary. Any, anyone want to add anything or comment? Okay, nice. So, the gospel calls sinners to repent and believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and we're reconciled by God's grace alone, uh, it, uh, by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. And so, um, what, what I think is important to notice here is that we need to have a certain amount of foundation laid in order for evangelism, I guess, the most effective and clear evangelism to take place. What I mean by this is that unless the person that you're talking to already has some level of familiarity with a biblical worldview, the, the good news about Jesus isn't going to make sense. So whether it's like someone, like someone in the post-Christian West who just has, has never heard anything of the Bible or, you know, someone in an unreached people group who has never heard of anything from the Bible, that you need to communicate a certain amount of truth about who God is 
in the problem of sin, the problem of our uh, rebellion against God, and therefore uh, the fact that this creation is, is fallen and under a curse, and that we are separated from our Creator, uh, who is good and holy and worthy of all praise and just and must punish sin, and yet is merciful. Like there, you see what I'm saying? Like I, I think sometimes we can miss that because maybe back in like the 1950s, there was just more of this. Um, like cultural Christianity that everyone shared. And therefore, you could kind of just go up to someone and assume that they had more of this foundation. But that's not always the case anymore. And so I just want to point out that because we care, we, uh, care about evangelism, we need to also care about like clarity. It's not enough to just say the right things if people are just totally misunderstanding because they don't have this foundation. Does that make sense? Does anyone have any experiences with that? happening where they were talking to someone and then all of a sudden they realized like whoa whoa I need to I need to build a foundation before this this makes sense any examples it's okay if not I have I have some but I want to get through as much of this as possible so I'll refrain um oh I like this so has anyone here ever read evangelism and the sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer that's okay. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the recommended resources. We can talk about it more later. But he gives, he gives a nice kind of a fuller definition of evangelism. He says, evangelism is to present Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to sinful people in order that they may come to put their trust in God through Christ to receive him as their savior and serve him as their king in the fellowship of his church. So I like that definition. He said, you know, like we, we receive Christ as Savior and Lord, justification and sanctification. Can't separate those two things. Um, and then uh, also in the fellowship of his church. No Lone Ranger Christianity. Um, so, all right. So has anyone ever heard the quote that I think is wrongly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi? Preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. Have you guys heard that? Oh. Well, what do you guys think about that quote? Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. Any, anyone have any thoughts on that? I think he's trying to demonstrate that the Christian life is a witness in itself. Mm -hmm. But obviously, God speaks through the word. And so you do have to give a very clear presentation of who Jesus Christ is. Because that is not something that's given in nature, but it's given in special revelation in his word. So you do need to put mm. But I do appreciate the sentiment. Uh, yeah. You know, the Christian life is a, a powerful witness. Yeah. The whole life. It's funny, the first time I ever heard that quote was uh, on the album notes of uh, an instrumental rock album. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Wow. Use words with this. Okay. I see what they did there. Nice. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's well put. Yeah, you're, you're kind of like, I don't want to slam dunk all over this quote, but it's lacking. Um, yeah, I, I, I would just add to what Chris is saying. There's definitely truth to it in the sense of like, of course, we... We, like, our lives must match our profession of faith. They must match our sharing of the gospel. We, you know, uh, 
woe be it to us if we are living in a way that contradicts that. Um, so I think that's what he's getting at is like our lives should be a they should adorn the gospel they should they should uh, um, buttress our our witness of our, our uh, witness to Christ um, but it's also kind of a funny quote because um, it's it's basically illogical um, to preach the gospel necessitates to use words because uh, evangelism is good news uh, sharing the gospel preaching the gospel that that uh, requires uh, sharing of words about about Christ and about our, our need for him. And so I, I, I got this from, I forget where I heard this, but basically someone said that makes about as much sense as saying, feed the homeless at all times, use food when necessary. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that, that was a helpful, helpful. Um, oh man. I think I'm going to skip a chunk, unfortunately, but... Maybe we'll go back. Oh, where's Arnie? Okay, that's all right. I'm going to ask Arnie if maybe we could split this into two weeks. But anyway, so next point on your notes, we're going to talk about how evangelism is inseparable from the life of a believer. So evangelism, like I said before, it's part of this all, life, all of life worship. We evangelize ultimately because we have been evangelized. We love because we have first been loved. We love because he first loved us. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so, yeah, just an encouragement that that should, that should fundamentally, we want to be praying that that would be our, our motive, that our evangelism would be an overflow of experiencing the grace of God in Christ. Um, could someone please turn to Isaiah 55 and read Isaiah 55, verse 1? Who can get Isaiah 55, 1? Um, we're just going to read verse 1. Of Isaiah 55. You got it, Timmy? Yeah. Nice. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk, without money and without price. Hmm. Amen. So what is what is going on here? Say one. Who who is who is speaking? This is, this is an invitation. This is like the, I think of this is like, this is like the free offer of the gospel, basically. This is God saying, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Uh, he, he offers his grace freely. Now, of course, we, in, a, in our sin, we will not come to him unless he does a, an act of grace first. But yet still, notice that the free, like, the, in the same way that, that God offers his grace so freely, we must freely offer the gospel, freely call anyone and everyone to come trust this Savior who is, who is able to save. Do you have, anyone have anything to add? 
I thought I saw Chris chomping at the bit. I think I was wrong. Okay, yeah, so. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. I was, was thinking about the fact that this is um, reminiscent of Revelation, which mm. says you were poor and naked um, mm. to me uh, for clothing and um, like made by me. And um, just the fact that we have nothing, mm. we are poor and in debt and uh, powerless apart from God, as a yeah. life, which is of, of life and wealth. Power in himself. Mm. So, uh, and he's offering to give that to us. Mm. I think that's the thing that really strikes me about this. Mm. Amen. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest. The dark Sorry, brother. No, no, you're fine. Um, yeah, like Chris said, that, that's, that's so good. And the danger is that we won't recognize how poor and, and naked and powerless we are. Like, that's the danger, that we won't understand the depth of our need um, to hear this and be like, come everyone to thirst, like, I'm fine. That's the danger. Um, so our desire to herald the good news that people might be reconciled to God should, should in a sense, come from his own nature where he calls us to come and be reconciled to himself. Uh, he's the one who, who gives freely. We're the ones who are utterly needy and powerless. So next, we're going to talk about... Okay, next is we're going to talk about four truths about evangelism that, that kind of help show that it, it is inseparable from the life of a Christian. So first, this is getting to what Matt already said. Evangelism is a matter of obedience. The Lord Jesus Christ himself has commanded us to witness. Could someone read Matthew 28, Great Commission, Matthew 28, um, we'll do 18 through 20. Who's got it? Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thank you. So, these commands, who were they given to originally? Disciples. Yeah. Yeah, they were given to the disciples. And so I want to be careful here because I think sometimes people take the Great Commission in a very like isolated, individualistic way to the point where it's like, well, if you're not baptizing people, then you are just not being an obedient Christian. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's right. Um, it, is, it is the church's job to baptize. Um, it, it is the church's job to... to uh, teach believers to obey all that Christ has commanded. And so I think like exegetically we can, we get a clear um, we get a clear command to to plant churches even in the Great Commission itself. Um, however so yeah, it was, it was, it was given, it, it applies more holistically I think to, to the local church today before it applies to us individually as believers. Does that kind of make sense what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
and yet at the same time I think it absolutely does have relevance to us it is it is um, it is it is like all of us have a role to play in the Great Commission it's not like any of us are like oh that's you know that's the church's job. It's like, well, yeah, the church is made up of God's people. So it, we all have a role to play in praying, giving, going, witnessing to our, our families, our friends, our neighbors, um, make, you know, make, seeking to make disciples in our spheres of influence. So I think, I guess there's two ways to, there's uh, two ways we could err in this is one, interpreting it too individualistically, as if we're supposed to go out and like baptize someone in the creek um, after they ask Jesus into their heart, or, um, or say, like, oh, this has nothing to do with me. A- any, any questions or thoughts there before we go on? I think, if you, have, I think if you have that relationship, you, you've been able to plant the seed, and God has, by his providence, let you witness that seed come alive. I think you, as the more mature believer, have some sort of role in following them, not the Southern Baptist term of follow-up, but but hanging with them in, in their first few steps and making and say having the joy of seeing them follow through in baptism. Um, mm. Just mm. yeah, amen. Yeah, did it sound like I was contradicting that? No, no. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because if it, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Just just what you said about the whole church being involved, like each one of us has a different role to play in that. Not everyone is, is able to go out in the same way, mm-hmm. um, but they can pray for those who are mm-hmm. them, and they can welcome those who are brought into the church mm-hmm. and be there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's uh, just to emphasize the point that yes, it's for all of us, but there is also a distinct way in mm-hmm. which the church uh, as uh, this institution founded by mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is called to stay involved too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Yeah, we're we're not all eyeballs. We're different body parts, different parts of the body, in the body of Christ. All right, next, evangelism is a matter. Oh, sorry, real quick. I mean, I also want to, before I move on, I love the promise here. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That, and yes, first spoke to the disciples, but that is true for us as well. I think of uh, Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, that he has given us his spirit. So he is he is with us. So let's let's not miss uh, with this commission comes this incredible promise of Christ's presence with us to the end of the age. So I think that's 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 maybe another thing that points to the fact that this has relevance not merely for the disciples. Because otherwise the to the end of the age wouldn't make as much sense. Um, to the end of the age until Christ himself comes back. Yeah, I also like to think of it as like a great encouragement when you do go out and evangelize it's very intimidating yeah but like when you remember that the Lord is with you your Holy Spirit is dwelling within you it's going to give you the strength to speak and mm. everything's going to go like it's not you doing like you are doing the work mm. but the Lord is really doing the work yeah and, and yeah. you get to do that with him and that's you're super gracious I guess like, yeah the next part like it's it's amazing to see and amazing to do yeah Amen. Thank you. That's good. Um, All right. So next, evangelism is a matter of gratitude. The Bible speaks of worship and evangelism as the right responses to God's saving grace. We've already kind of touched on this. And 
So, as those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, should it not be our joy to proclaim his love and mercy to those around us? So, could, some, could someone please read Isaiah 12, verse 4? This is the attitude that, that we're looking for. Isaiah 12, verse 4. While you're turning there, this, this, uh, this passage, all of Isaiah 12, it's like a promise that God gave uh, through, through Isaiah to the people who are about to be exiled. Like, they're about to be judged for their sin. Um, they were about to be exiled. Uh, so the original audience would have been in exile or about to be exiled. And yet, look at what God promises. Um, so who can read Isaiah 12, verse 4? Got it, Roger. In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, make them remember that his name is exalted. Awesome, thank you. So, what connection do you guys see here? Uh, what, what does this have to do with evangelism as a matter of gratitude? It's, again, connecting, like, the praise of God to the proclamation of his glorious deeds to all the earth. It, it says, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. So, I, oh, and also, uh, of note, it's, he's, when he says, and you will say in that day, he's saying God's people. It's, it's like you, y'all. God's people will all say in that day to one another. Give thanks to the Lord. They're exhorting one another to both give thanks to the Lord, to call upon his name and worship, um, and to make his deeds known among the peoples. So evangelism is a matter of gratitude. The greatest offering of gratitude is to bring in more voices that mm. praise his name. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. Really good. All right. So next, evangelism is an expression of godliness. As God's people... Thank you, St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, as, as God's people, we should commend and adorn the gospel to those around us, both by the words we speak and by the way we live. I think this is what that quote is getting at, even though it's a funny quote. Um, our lives should be characterized by holiness in such a way as to make the Savior uh, more, more attractive, in a sense, to unbelievers. We, we shouldn't... Uh, I mean... Uh, I think it's like 2 Corinthians 2. It talks about like, will be the smell of death to those who are perishing and the smell of life to those who are being saved. So there is a sense in which even if we're Christ-like, we, we might still be, we, we will still be repulsive to some. Um, but yet there, it's, uh, there's also a good point here of like, yes, we, we must, we can still adorn the gospel in, in such a way that we won't unnecessarily offend and turn people away by our um, arrogance or, or being a jerk or something like that. So could someone read Proverbs 11? Actually, I'll just read Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Whoever captures souls is wise. I love that. Um, in a sermon preached on this verse, Charles Spurgeon 
said it teaches us two key points. He said, the first is that the life of the believer is or ought to be full of soul blessing. And in the second place, the pursuit of the believer ought always to be soul winning. So I think soul blessing, I'm not 100% sure what that means in Spurgeon speak, but uh, I'm guessing it has to do with this, this uh, overflowing, like, uh, bless the Lord on my soul, this, this worship of God, this, this holiness. Um, and, and then, of course, the second part being soul winning, whoever captures souls is wise. Um, could someone please read, could, could y'all turn to 1 Peter 2, could I have someone read 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10? We're going to talk about how evangelism is every Christian's calling as part of all of life worship, um, because it, it can be easy to think like, oh, evangelism, that's just for the pastors, or that's just for the evangelists, like maybe you've seen in Ephesians 4 where it says, and he gave... Um, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the shepherds, the teachers, it's like, oh, okay, well, unless I'm an evangelist, then it's not as much on me. But I think that that's a misunderstanding um, of, of that passage. Um, so, who's got first Peter 2? Got it, Matthew. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness in his marvelous light. Thank you. So, <clears throat> why, according to this verse, why are we, why are we a chosen race, a royal priesthood? What's the purpose? Mm. So we can proclaim the excellencies of him? Wrong. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him. So, yeah, I, I love that. Um, this, is, this is not just for the, the pastors, the, those in ministry. This is for every believer. We can proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I, I, love, I love just, again, like even right there, you're seeing we proclaim the excellencies because we've already been brought into his marvelous light. Um, all right. Here's a question. Why, why do you guys think, I mean, they say the things to talk about to make us all feel really bad about ourselves is prayer and evangelism. Um, why do you guys think evangelism is a struggle for us? Like, uh, why, why do we not share the gospel more um, what do you guys think are some reasons? There's the fear of man. That was my top one, yeah. Um, there's a, an unworthy feeling of who am I? I am mm. so sinful. Why, I, I'm, I'm not a useful tool because I just... Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I've got those two big, big ones. Yeah, really good, yeah. What else? I would add along with that discouragement. When you don't have success, yeah. people just don't even want to talk. Yeah. I remember uh, I was um, street evangelizing the church in Scotland, 
Mm. And Scotland is just a, a spiritually dark place. Mm. And people just did not want to talk. They just go by and you, know, you have people say, I don't need good mm. stuff. And it's really, really sad. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, that sort of thing was, was really discouraging because I didn't even have like a serious conversation with anyone because mm. I just wouldn't want to stop. Yeah. So that sort of thing is pretty tough and discouraging when you're trying to reach out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I get really discouraged too when it just feels like I'm, you know, it, it, and with like a, a friend where it's like I've, I've, I've like had gospel conversations. It just feels like I keep hitting dead ends. Mm-hmm. It's like there's just no interest and that, that's really hard too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just hard with friends or family to transition from like a regular conversation that you might be having mm-hmm. to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want, I find that difficult sometimes to transition from mm-hmm. the common to the status of their soul. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Do you think part of that is because like thinking like how are they going to react to this? Mm, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Any last ones? Yeah. Um, for a while, I was pretty weak in my faith myself, so I just didn't feel very confident mm-hmm. in sharing with someone else, like, what sort of questions are they going to ask, how yeah. feel of them, yeah. or, uh, yeah, so. Yeah. You feel like you have to be an expert in every part of apologetics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, otherwise they're going to, like, expose me or something. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, everything you guys shared, I, I had that. I had that too. Um, I, yeah, I think maybe maybe in my mind, I, I would guess that the biggest thing for a lot of people is kind of like overall a fear of man, but also yeah, so many other things like a feeling of inadequacy, a nervousness of like, what if they stump me or or I don't know how to answer a question or you know how are they going to react? Is this going to get in the way of a relationship? Um, so I, I hope that this next section will help to really encourage us in, in the truth of of uh, God's sovereignty and salvation, um, that, that we can rest in that and therefore be all the more eager to, to be faithful to what he has called us to, which is much easier than uh, the, the miracle of saving souls. So um, let's, let's talk about first his sovereignty. Um, evangelism is empowered. Uh, so, so yeah, we, we want to talk about that. And, and so first we're going to look at God's sovereignty. God in his grace... He has already, <clears throat> he has elected sinners for salvation. He has promised, and you know, we see this both in Revelation 5 and Revelation 7, that he himself has promised he's going to gather a people for himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That is, that is going to happen, and, and that is something we can, we can rejoice in as we, as we go about this, this uh, great commission that he's given to us. Um, Let's read Acts 18, 9 through 11 and see how God himself encouraged the Apostle Paul. Acts 18, 9 through 11. Who can read that? And the Lord said to Paul one night in the vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in the city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Awesome, thank you. So how did God encourage Paul? Promise his presence. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Protection. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a good alliteration. It's presence, protection. It's, yeah, what else? Telling Peter there are people in that city that are his. Yeah, yeah. You can make another. I like how you didn't tell him like, who it was. It's like, no, there are people, so go out and mm, spread this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So we got three Ps. His presence, his protection, and he has people there. So, yeah, I, I love that. And so Paul, Paul could be assured both of like the very, the very presence of God, uh, his, his protecting hand, and then that his labors are not in vain. God's people, his elect, are in that city. And so I think... It, it maybe maybe important to note this doesn't necessarily this truth doesn't mean there's always going to be fruit or fruit that we can see um i think of like the old testament prophets like isaiah like clearly they were they were faithful and yet there was like minimal fruit there wasn't their messages weren't overall met with repentance um even though they were faithful mouthpieces of god and so so i think this is just a reminder like it's God's job to convince and convert sinners. But all, all, all we have to do is be faithful to proclaim the message that we've been given. And then we can simply rest, leaving the results up to God. Um, I want to address, I mean, I think sometimes there can be confusion about how election and God's sovereignty don't undermine evangelism. Have you guys ever heard anyone say that? Like, I don't understand this whole Calvinism thing. Like, that's true, like... That just kills missions, mm. puts it in the grave. Have you guys heard? Sounds like you guys have heard that sentiment. Yeah. Well, I think what's going on there is two things. One, um, usually that confusion happens because two things are happening. One, we're not properly understanding man's deadness in sin and inability to come to Christ apart from the miracle of regeneration. Um, but if we properly understand our deadness in sin then it's like, then election is, is the only thing that makes sense, the only thing that could motivate evangelism, because otherwise, you're just fighting a completely lost battle. <laughs> there's, there's like no point. Um, were you going to add anything, Arnie? No, no. Oh, gotcha. You're just saying amen. Okay, that's good. So, he'd appreciate it. When I, I was in another church, and RTS was just starting to meet in office space at Maitland Center, and I still remember, I don't know why I just remember, but it was like I was waiting for the organ music. The flame of evangelism burns very low in Calvin. And don't be messing with those people over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dark side of the force is there in Maitland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, those people. Yeah, yeah. So that that's funny. So yeah, there. I think there's also a second thing probably going on when there's confusion about God's sovereignty and evangelism. I think second. We, we may be confused that God uses means. Uh, God uses ordinary gospel sharing by, by uh, people like us, normal people like us, and all our brokenness and uh, inadequacy and, and lack of perfect knowledge in all things apologetics. He uses our gospel sharing to accomplish the saving of the people that he has already elected in eternity past. So, so I think sometimes we... we when that's not understood, it's like, well, if, if God's sovereign in salvation, like, we have no role. He just does it. But no, like, 
God doesn't just zap people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses his people to proclaim the message of his grace. So when both these things are understood, all of a sudden God's sovereignty transforms from this like wet blanket on evangelism to this thing that zaps life and, and joy and hope into it. So I, I, love, I love that. Um, next, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, evangelism is empowered because of the Holy Spirit. God draws sinners to Christ, but he also, uh, he, he doesn't just save us. He gives us his spirit. He equips us for this task. He, he gives us uh, the spirit that we may grow in grace. Uh, and that includes the grace of witnessing to others. And so, you know, Great Commission Jesus promises to be with his followers to the very end of the age. He has fulfilled this promise by giving us his spirit. He is poured out upon Christians at Pentecost. So um, let's read 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I guess, yeah, you can turn there if you want. I'll, I'll just read it in a second. But God delights in using weak instruments so that he alone gets the glory. So if you feel lacking in your ability to witness, that's not a bad thing. That's good. We should feel lacking that we might depend all the more on the Lord. Um, he's promised in his word to give grace to the humble, to give help. So we should depend on him, not our own wisdom, not our own ability to, to connect with people or persuade people in an argument or, to, or a debate. Um, May the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians be ours also. He says, we have this treasure, that's the treasure of of the gospel, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul there is speaking about, uh, I think, he and the apostles, but this applies to us as well, of course. We, We are just mere jars of clay, and yet we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel. Um... And all this shows that it is to God, to God be the glory. It is his power. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 1. Um, could someone please read 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. We're going to talk about the power of the gospel to save. The, the message of the gospel itself is powerful. Romans 1.16, as Ron, Ron preached on recently. Um, but let's also, let's read 1 Corinthians one eighteen. Who's got that? Anthony. For the word, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. To us who are being saved is the power of God. Amen. So, yeah, and it goes on to say, Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so I, I love this. I mean, I, I wish, wish we could spend more time here, but it's like it pleased God through both the folly of what we preach, like Christ crucified, a crucified Messiah. That's like foolishness to the world. Um, and yet it pleased God uh, through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And not only is it like the folly of what we preach, but I think it's also often the folly of preaching itself. Um, like preaching, like that's such a, like that's how God saves people. That's not very impressive. Just weak people talking about Christ crucified. Like, it, wouldn't it be better to like, I don't know, wow them with uh, some miraculous displays of power or 
show, show them a movie or, you know, who, who knows? Like, I, I just think that that's incredible too. But this is all that God may receive all the glory that we may boast in him alone. <clears throat> so, it's not our eloquent power of persuasiveness. Let this encourage us when we feel that the thing that's all, like, I, I relate so much, like, the feeling of, like, oh, I don't know what to say. Like, I, you know, that what if I get stumped? But it's like, it, it is, yes, you might get stumped, and yet God might still save that person because it's not about our persuasiveness. It's about his power to convince and convert sinners to bring death, uh, bring life out of death. Um, replace hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. Okay. How should we, we we've already talked about this, so this kind of review maybe. How should we measure success in evangelism? How should we measure success? It's more so like where your heart is when you're sharing the gospel versus how many numbers, how many people are you bringing them Christ or how eloquent your speech is. Mm, mm, yeah. Are you doing it in the right, yeah, in the right manner? Um, yeah. Trying to praise him, trying to bring him glory through it. Yeah, amen. That's really good. I, yeah, that was what I could ask. Love, love, you know, do, do I love this person? It has, you know, is the Holy Spirit working in me to extend mercy to them? I, I think of them. You want to be convicted and beat up? Watch Ray Comfort clips on YouTube. Uh, um, yeah, but it, but it's not as much convicting. It's just he's got a sweetness about him. Yeah, yeah, and he it's, does. It's the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Someone can let off, let off a zinger on him and catch him, and and he just laughs at him. And oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure you know I'm five foot one. Yeah, who cares? And but he's like like a dog on a trail. He, he he's, he's yeah. back to law, back to law. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, having that love, and um, I think all, all of us are naturally introverted, naturally focused on self. Mm. And so, it's the Holy you have to ask the Holy Spirit to bark that love within you because, mm. yeah, I, I'm, it's not in me naturally. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. It's so so easy to have to to lack love, to to share in pride or or in frustration or or, or even just kind of a callousness. Um, did you have, oh, okay. Anthony, you had something, right? Yeah, I, I forgot where I heard it, probably Apologia, but um, when we go out, think of God's sovereignty, and when we preach the gospel and that seed lands on one of God's people, it's 100% successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, whenever I go out, I'm like, I don't know who is God's people, but I know it's going to be 100% success rate, and God will, will finish his work. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you're saying the success is in the faithful proclamation, right? Not not in the the results because that God that's in God's hands. But yeah, that's good. Yeah, <clears throat> everything you guys said was really good. And I would just add to that, um, you know, yeah, wanting to have love and the right motives. Um, but but yeah, like Anthony said, it's it's just the success of of sharing, being faithful. But also, I would add to that sharing clearly um, in a way that the people really at least understand it so that they're not if, if they reject Christ they're not rejecting Christ because they totally misunderstood but they're 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 rejecting him and they did understand they understood um, well but yet still are persisting in rebellion um, 
I mean, just, just like one, I don't know, kind of silly example is like, I think I, I heard about someone talking about Christ in a Hindu context. And they, they believe in reincarnation. And they were like, oh, yeah, like Christ was crucified because, you know, even though he, he lived a great life, he must have done a lot of bad in his, in his former life to, to deserve through karma that uh, crucifixion. And so it's like that's an example where it's like, yeah, you could have like you could have given them like your little like nice gospel presentation. But without being able to dig a little deeper, give them more of a foundation. Um, it, they would have been a miss. So, um, so yeah, want to also think about the clarity and, and people do, doing doing the hard work of laying laying foundation, having having more conversations than just kind of like slapping this little neat gospel presentation on whoever we come across. I think there's with the gospel proclamation is as important as our mouth is is our ears mm. and hearing yeah. ears and also to consider and for one thing is to be polite and gracious mm-hmm. and honoring to that person. Did, did, okay, are they just being snarky and trying to blow me off, or or it is is a a genuine objection, is a genuine question, is a genuine misunderstanding? Um, I because in a former life we did EE and then we went to faith, and you're just I just gotta get to the next point in my outline because mm-hmm. I'll forget my outline, and, and you're just like a train yeah. on a track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who cares what they say? I have to get to it. F A I T O. Yeah. And and okay, I finished the outline, but yeah. That was a waste of time. Yeah. No, yeah, thank you for saying that, Roger. That's so that's so helpful. Like right there, like just listening and asking questions, that's how we get to gospel clarity. You know? That's how we know how they're how they're um, understanding what we're saying. Yeah, and, uh, along the lines of Roger's point, um, you know, just hearing what is the real issue with this person? Mm-hmm. What is their real problem with God? Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times it can be you know, they can throw uh, stuff like, oh, I heard that Constantine wrote the Bible, or, you know, some, or uh, <laughs> nobody can raise the dead, or, you know, yeah. don't you believe in evolution? They can throw all this stuff, mm-hmm. but what is really yeah. the heart of their yeah, those, problem? Those are red herrings trying to take you off the trail. Yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, that's so good. All right, First Corinthians 3, I, I love it when it says, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God gives the growth. Um, so evangelism, we're, we're going to fly because we just got five more minutes, but I want to try to hit on a few more things. Um, evangelism is a discipline. It, it's, it, yes, it's an overflow. It's an overflow of the Christian life. It's an overflow of worship, but that's not in tension with it also being a discipline, something we can be intentional about and plan for. Um, so we don't want to just merely wait for witnessing opportunities to fall into our lap. We can, we can be more in, in faith. We can be more proactive in that. So, uh, yeah, we should all, of course, look for ways to share the gospel with unbelievers. But I think what can sometimes get neglected is we think about, like, going out and sharing or, or you know, in evangelism, we just more think about the random encounter with someone on a plane that we're never going to see again. But, like, you know, it, it's helpful to be reminded of, like, God has given us certain relationships and spheres already. Um, and, and we never want to be the people who... Who we, we, we share the gospel with that person on the plane, but then we're like neglecting all these people who we actually like know well and we, we are in touch with and see more. And so even just as simple as But they get to see our warts all the time. That's not fair. Exactly. Yeah, I, think, I think that's why we can be tempted to, to to like focus more on on the the like single encounter things. because um, it's it's harder with the people who see our, our sin and um, 
in, in our hypocrisy at times. So, um, but yeah, even here, like in encouragement to parents, like there's an evangelism opportunity that we don't want to miss. Um, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, so not all opportunities for witness come naturally. I think one of the easiest things a lot of us could do is just plan a time to invite over a neighbor or a coworker for, for a meal. Um, because it's times in the context of like relationship and hospitality um, and, and with a relationship that you have opportunity to see more than once, there's going to be opportunities abounding to talk about the hope we have in Christ. Um, so, so that could be, for some of us, that could be an easy like uh, step of faith. Um, okay, Colossians 4, 3 through 6, read it later. Um, there, there's, we, we, learn, we learn a lot about uh, yeah, our posture, um, how we should pray and make the most of every opportunity. Um, there's some books on your, there's some recommended books on your um, handout. I've, I've read, I've read all of them and I found them all helpful in different ways. Um, the gospel and personal evangelism is short and sweet. Tell the truth is much more comprehensive. It's really good. Um, has anyone else had any books or resources that they found especially helpful that they want to recommend? There's one called um, <coughs> Urban Apologetics that was really good. Nice. I forgot the author's name, but it gives a pretty contemporary approach on how to begin to like, approach certain situations in the urban context. Mm -hmm. So I definitely recommend that one. Okay, cool. Urban Apologetics. Nice. And it, you're Jose, right? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Jose. Um, any, anyone else? Okay, Ray gets another shout out. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't want to read. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I want to close. I want to close with this a quote from Spurgeon. He says, I think, okay, yeah, he says, nothing but your salvation can ever make me feel <clears throat> that my heart's desire is granted. I think he's talking about his, his heart as a pastor. I ask every worker here to see this, that he never turns aside from shooting at this target and at the center of this target too, namely that he may win souls for Christ and see them born to God and washed in the fountain filled with his blood. So I, I love this because that, you know, may we never settle for less than that. We don't want to just make someone a little bit less miserable or a little bit more comfortable while they're on their way to hell. May we never settle for less than their reconciliation to God. One parting scripture that wasn't in the outline that I think they missed is Daniel 12, 2 and 3. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Mm. It's a beautiful verse. Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we, yeah, we, we just, we praise you for what you have done for us in Christ. And 
we ask that that you may give us souls, that you, you may let us each be soul winners, that we would see our friends and family and, and children and um, coworkers and neighbors and acquaintances, that, that we would see people reconciled to you in Christ. Lord, may, may we see uh, just, may, may you open the eyes of the people in our lives that they could uh, behold the, their, the beauty of Christ and, and that he is the, the only mediator between God and man, that he is, a, he is willing and able to save. Um, Lord, may we rest in your sovereignty. May we, may we be faithful to proclaim the glories of, of your redemption, uh, the, the glories of your character, and may we rest in the fact that only you can, can do the miracle of regeneration. Only you can grant repentance and faith. Um, so Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be faithful to witness to you as an overflow of our gratitude and of love for you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. Yeah, thank you guys.